You are now listening to The Nosebleeds with your hosts, Corey Johnson and Kush Parikh. Be sure to check us out weekly on Tuesdays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with the podcast on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds on Instagram at the nosebleeds and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the nosebleeds. To be honest, I'm more motivated now than ever. Uh, There's a bigger chip on my shoulder. Lead done messed up and uh, I'm just blessed by God, blessed by my family. I'm right down the street, so we're going to do it right this time, so it's crazy. Yo, what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nosebleeds podcast. That right there was Mr. Dwayne Haskins himself right after being drafted by the Washington football team. And, ooh-wee, did the league done messed up? We're going to get into that, but you already know, it's your boy. You're a nosy boy, Kush, and I'm here with Mr. Corey Johnson, as always. Corey, how you doing, my man? It's good to be back here on the pod, man. We got so much to talk about. NFL coming down to the final weeks. As you mentioned, D. Haskins, uh, his whole situation. Uh, And then we got a little bit of NBA to also get into as well. Some early season uh, stuff going on, some injuries, all that good stuff. Let's, let's, Let's get right into it, man. I'm excited to be on. Yeah, let's do it. Let's start off, obviously, with Dwayne Haskins. News that popped on Monday, Washington football team released the 2019 first round pick or day after he was benched in a loss to the Panthers to a practice quad player that Washington signed less than a month ago. This was one of the bigger games or probably the biggest game for Washington, because if they won, they would have been in a prime position to win that division and lock up a playoff spot. But mm-hmm. now they're having to basically they're in a potential winner go home in uh week 17 but uh haskins also have has been recently having some off-field issues as well he was seen at a birthday party with strippers while being maskless so i mean there's a lot going on with Dwayne haskins on and off the field but he was the 15th overall pick in 2019 and he had a hell of a sophomore season in ohio state which led him to be the 15th overall pick but his success just didn't translate to the NFL. And in his two seasons at Washington, he went three and 10 as a starter passed for 2,800 yards, 12 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. And uh, it's pretty crazy that they, I mean, given his play on the field, yeah, it was, it was going to happen. But while releasing Haskins, Washington incurred its $8.5 million dead salary cap, which is a lot in the NFL. So what is your whole thoughts on releasing Dwayne Haskins? Well, I felt like uh, when Ron Rivera pretty much got in uh, and became head coach, um, one of the interesting things about that hire was the relationship between Dwayne Haskins and Rivera. And from the jump, you could tell that Rivera just – he wasn't vibing with them and that you could tell like a coach instantly knows who's his guy. And right away you could tell that Dwayne Haskins was not going to be Ron Rivera's guy. And it's kind of sad for Dwayne Haskins, as far as the fact that here you have this young man who has so much talent and has so much potential, but really wasn't in a good place and wasn't, I guess, in the right position to succeed, but Kudos to Washington because they're trying to win now and they're trying to get into the postseason because they're looking at it as we have this quarterback who, yes, is talented, 
and he has potential behind him. But on the same token, they're trying to get they're trying to be similar to the Miami Dolphins. They're trying to be a little bit quicker with their rebuilding process than a lot more people expected. Like nobody would have expected that the Washington football team would be challenging for the NFC East uh, division title which I mean, albeit like it is the NFC East, but at the same time, Dwayne Haskins, I feel like he kind of put himself in this situation um, for his off the field antics, but there's been rumors, Kush, that he just hasn't been putting the work in and he just has simply not improved. And a lot of people are going to, you know, throw similarities between Haskins and Jamarcus Russell, but I feel like it's way too early in the game to start doing that. And I feel like, um, Dwayne Haskins definitely needs to use this experience as a learning experience for him and just understand that he might be on his last legs as a quarterback. His next job could be be-all, end-all as far as his NFL career. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, he's been getting a lot of love on social media from former players like uh, RG3, Des Bryant. They've been uh, trying to look out, tell him to keep his head up. But, I mean – like you said, he's still very young, only 23 years old, and he could revitalize his career and go back to his Ohio State days, never know. But what team do you think would give him an opportunity to do that? I think that um, maybe like a team that could use like more so like a backup quarterback and a team that also has a quarterback that could help Haskins just get better as a professional. Um, I know this isn't probably the best example to use, but one of the things that I remember Johnny Manziel saying that uh, a guy that really helped him uh, with his career was uh, the backup quarterback, uh, Josh McCown at uh, Cleveland Browns. He said he helped him like just become a professional. And I think if Dwayne Haskins went to a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, which has a winning environment, obviously, but also has a good opportunity, like in case Ben gets hurt, there you can have Dwayne Haskins as your safety net, which again, not saying a whole lot, but I think that Mike Tomlin is a good head coach. I think Mike Tomlin knows how to deal with um, crazy different personalities, which we've seen with Antonio Brown and now also with Juju Smith-Schuster. But on the same token, I think he he's going to help this young man to be able to grow up. And that's one of the things that you need. Same thing with Tennessee. You have Ryan Tannehill, who's a great starter, and he's kind of been through the ups and downs, injuries, has been through it when he was with Miami. Nobody like thought this guy was going to be able to revitalize his career. And then now we see him years later, you know, playing excellent football. And we see, you know, with the head coaching staff and in uh, and, and this team that has such a good winning environment, I think those, those two teams – could definitely use like a guy like Dwayne Haskins just for the the safety net in case their guys who have been prone to injuries go down. And I feel like it would be a good place for him to develop his game under two good quarterbacks. Yeah. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. I mean, like Big Ben is only getting older and it's starting to show. And he he said he plans on returning to play in 2021. And I think that's a perfect opportunity for Dwayne Haskins. You already went into it with Mike Tomlin, so I don't need to get into that. But basically learning behind a Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer in Big Ben and learning that offense, that's huge for a guy like Dwayne Haskins. And I think in Washington, his 
it was like, am I started this week? Am I benched this week? Am I third string this week? Exactly. Because, because the whole thing of like Alex Smith came in, then he got injured, and then uh, Dwayne Haskins was drafted, and then they brought in Kyle Allen the next season. So it was like, as a quarterback, I mean that that gets to you whether you know whether you're, whether you're starting or not, and you're like the motivation becomes a question. But in Pittsburgh, I think he'll have a fixed role as a solely backup player, unless barring any injuries. But this will allow him to focus on just getting better and and basically with no pressure that Washington he had in Washington because Big Ben's going to take all the pressure. And I think at, at Ohio State, he was your prototypical big body pocket passer who could sling it with accuracy kind of what big ben is so i think he can learn a lot from big ben and mike tomlin and i think it's sitting that season kind of like how we saw i'm not comparing him to mahomes but mahomes sitting that entire season behind alex smith and then the season number two he looked like he was polished so i think getting that year to learn uh the pittsburgh offense and with mike tomlin i think that can really help him and i think mike tomlin is also a great player to keep him motivated basically the entire time. Yeah. And one more thing also, like we look at uh, these young quarterbacks that come out of the draft. I mean, Josh Rosen is a perfect example. I mean, people have already like pronounced this guy as a bust, but when you really think about it, each team he's been on as far as like Miami and Arizona, he really was only given like a small chance. And then pretty much the jury was out like, Oh, this guy can't play. He's not good. And it's like, dang, like, like the, the, the amount of, like you have so little time to once you get in the league to make a name for yourself and make your, yourself like a bona fide, like, Oh my God, this guy has talent. Yeah. He's going to make mistakes here and there, but we'll take our time and we'll allow him to develop. That's the, one of the things that kind of frustrates me. I'll say like, as far as with Brian Flores, he made the right decision, you know, as far as game wise to pull to a, and put in Ryan Fitzpatrick. And like, that was just unbelievable. But on the same token, I'm like, that should have been an experience where you just let Tua go out there and if he fought, if he fails, he fails, but it's no, it's a learning experience. You don't want Tua who's supposed to be the face of your franchise to then be like, well, I mean, if I do anything, like I, if I mess up even slightly, I'm giving, I'm getting pulled out of this game. And it's like, like, yo, like you want to make, I don't, I'm not saying you want to coddle, but at the same time, you don't want to just let your quarterback your young quarterback know like oh we don't trust you and we're going to take you out as soon as you make a mistake so i think you need to let these guys make mistakes you need to get them in get them some playing time and just allow them to go ahead and get the experience of playing in the nfl and i think dwayne haskins he's had that experience of playing but i think he needs to more so get into uh the war room of it all and be able to get the studying down get the get start developing the football iq and especially as a quarterback you need to have that you need to be able to know what every single guy on your offense is doing yeah for sure and i mean that the whole two of things are different well we'll, we'll leave that for another show another episode <laughs> but um i think just with Dwayne Haskins, I mean, yeah, you could say he didn't have the opportunities, but when he did have the opportunities, he looked flat out bad. His accuracy was nowhere to be found. And I think a fresh start in a new place could help the former first round pick because in Ohio State, he was getting the job done. So, I mean, you don't just lose accuracy like that. Yeah. And so and since you brought up like Ohio State, there's been a, like a lot of people on Twitter saying like um, Ohio State quarterbacks have been kind of a bus as of late. If you think about it, like the history of Ohio State quarterbacks has not been all that fruitful as far as providing like star caliber quarterbacks. And I mean, with, 
with Justin Fields getting ready to go into the draft potentially um, for 2020, we'll see whether or not Justin Fields will be able to pop or if he turns out to be another dud, that really is going to say a whole lot about Ohio State's uh, quarterbacking program. Yeah, let's since we're talking about Washington, let's stay on the subject and talk about the shit show that is the NFC East division. There's going to be a team under 500 making the playoffs <laughs> from this division. Basically, they can either go 7 and 9 or 6 and 10. The last couple teams that made the playoffs with a losing record was the 2010 Seattle Seahawks who went 7 and 9 and that's where Marshawn Lynch had his beast mode basically was born. And then in 2015, the 7-8-1 Carolina Panthers. So we will be having another losing team hosting a playoff game in this year. So I don't know if the NFL wants to look at maybe reshuffling the way the playoffs are seeded, but it's going to happen. But let's get into the division and who we think is going to get that last playoff spot. The Cowboys are playing the Giants in week 17. Washington football team is playing the Eagles in week 17. So right now, Washington has the tiebreaker versus the rest of the division. But who's going to win it, Corey? I don't know why, but they've just been on my mind these past few weeks. But I feel like the Cowboys are going to just somehow, some way. This team had a 1% chance to make the playoffs just a few weeks ago. But lo and behold, they somehow have found themselves in this scenario. And I think they're going to beat the Giants. And I think that um, it wouldn't shock me at all if the Eagles knocked off the Washington football team. Because as people forget, I mean, you look at their record, and yes, the Eagles have like their own type of situation. But I still feel like Philadelphia could definitely beat Washington. And if that happens, then you open the door wide open for the Dallas Cowboys and we've been saying it for these past few weeks, like, man, if the Cowboys somehow find themselves in the playoffs, like, that would just be crazy. And I think that craziness is going to happen, and we're going to see the Cowboys, which a few weeks ago, nobody would have expected it, but they're going to somehow crawl themselves into that division lead and ultimately get themselves <laughs> into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think, Washington's going to maintain that division lead and get that playoff spot just because, I mean, I know they're having a lot of problems with quarterback right now, but Taylor Heineck, he did not look bad against the, against the Panthers. So, and he's going up against the Eagles secondary and you saw what Andy Dalton did to the Eagles secondary uh, this past week. So I think he should be fine. And I think defensive wise, really Washington should be chilling against the Eagles. I mean, I know Jalen Hurts is hot right now, so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, but that game more so, I feel like uh, Washington-Philly, that could go really either way. I'm feeling more so like the Cowboys are going to beat the Giants. I just feel that like that's going to happen, which is crazy because the Giants could somehow still get into the playoffs. And then there's a scenario with if, if, you know, certain things happen they could end up with the third pick in the draft <laughs> it's crazy like on both ends <laughs> they could be with the third pick of the draft or they could end up getting into the postseason yeah it'll be crazy but on the opposite end of the spectrum we have the afc wild card and just the afc in general it's crazy right now we have five teams that are 10 and 5 the titans the dolphins the ravens the browns and the colts that's the order of the seating right now from highest to lowest uh but let's talk about the teams that have clinched so far so far 
Chiefs clinched a first round by the bills are looking to lock up that second seed with a week 17 win. Uh, the Steelers are playing for playing to win and hoping the bills lose for the Steelers to lock up that second seed in week 17. And at least one of the two teams in the wild card between the Titans and the Colts will be making the playoffs because they will be winning their division. But out of those uh, five teams, only four can make it. So let's talk about it. Week 17 is going to be very, very, very interesting. Let's start off with the Titans versus the Texans. The Titans are one of the teams that controls their own destiny. If they win, they win the division. And if uh, they lose, then they'll need one of these teams to lose, either the Ravens, Colts, or Dolphins, in order to still make the playoffs as a wildcard team. But I think they're going to beat the Texans, no problems. They had a really rough game against the Packers, getting a beatdown by Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Um, But Texans, they're just, they're bad. They're coming off a loss against the Bengals, but they don't have their first round pick this upcoming draft. So there's nothing to tank for. So, I mean, there still is motivation for this team to play, but the last time these two teams met the Titans won 42 to 36. I think the Titans win and they win the AFC South. Corey, what do you think about this matchup? The Titans and Texans. To be honest, after I heard what JJ Watts said in that post game interview, um, I don't think this is going to be such an easy game for Tennessee, to be honest with you, because that dude was fired up. And when you see like a guy who's going out and calling out his team like that, like, I mean, his teammates are either going to want to fight him or they're going to have to respond to what he said. Like it's one or the other. And I feel like um, Tennessee better be ready because this could be a serious upset game. But I still think I agree with you. I think that the Tennessee Titans are a better team. I think that they, Yes, got beat down by Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. But, I mean, at the end of the day, this is still a playoff team to me. This is still a team that I have confidence that they're going to at least get into the postseason. Don't have confidence that they're a Super Bowl contender, but I still have confidence that they will get into the playoffs. And so I got them winning this one here. I think that whole J.J. Watt thing was just for the cameras, to be honest. Um, I mean, I think – he he's a great player and yes he hasn't gotten what he's deserved in Houston but I think he's gone after this season he's going to sign with a new team Houston has done nothing for him really when he's done a lot for Houston and I'm not just talking about the team I'm talking about the city in general as well too but I think that was all cap to be honest just for the cameras hey, hey I mean it could be that is true I didn't even think but about there, that point either there there is a possibility that it does light a fire under this team's ass but I doubt it. If it hasn't done it this entire season, I doubt it. (laughs) Let's move on to the next matchups. This is one of the biggest matchups of the week. The Dolphins versus the Bills. Dolphins are another team that control their own destiny, winning their in, basically. And uh, but the Bills, like I said before, they're looking to lock up that second seed. So they're not gonna they it's not looking like they're gonna rest their players. And they might as they might be as hungry as the Dolphins. But if the Dolphins do end up losing to the Bills. They'll need either one of these teams to lose, and that's the Ravens, the Browns, or the Colts to still solidify their spot in the wild card. Bills, they're having a crazy season. Crazy season so far. The dynamic duo of Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, killing teams. Uh, The last time these two teams met, it was a close game, but the Bills did edge out the Dolphins 31-28. to In my opinion... I'm going to go with the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins are going to win. And I know I said them, I had them going two and one, 
But mm-hmm. I think the Dolphins win and they make the playoffs just because they're the hungrier team. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills sit some starters, especially with the news that we got from the Steelers, which we'll get into later. But I think the Dolphins, they're just going to be hungrier. Brian Flores is going to come up with a great game plan. But uh, if they, if this is all basically if the Bills rest some starters. What's your predictions on this game? Well, I feel like like you said, like the first matchup could have gone either way. Both these teams, man, uh, has had some really interesting seasons with the Bills, who I didn't think were going to be in this scenario, but they've, they've surprised me. Like you said, Stefan Diggs, Josh Allen, those two have been such a great dynamic duo, but Tua Tagovailoa, he's been amazing, and Fitzpatrick, I mean, we don't need to say anything after what he did against uh, Las Vegas, but overall, I think that... I'm going to go with the Bills here. Sorry, Cody. But I'm going to have to go with the Bills here. Um, I'm going to go with Buffalo because they have just been consistently, uh, I feel like, the better team overall this season. And I think they're going to show out and prove exactly why. Like you said, Chris, like they don't have any reason to really necessarily sit guys. But, I mean, if they do decide to sit guys, then obviously I feel like the Dolphins are going to take it. But then if they don't, I feel like the Bills are going to go ahead and try to lock up and secure their seating. All right, and for the next matchup, we have the Ravens versus the Bengals. Ravens, again, just like the other two teams, control their own destiny, win, and they're in. They're playing the Bengals, who have been hot recently, (laughs) winning two games in a row, including one against Pittsburgh. So if the Ravens do lose, they'll need either the Browns or the Colts to lose to still solidify their spot in the wild card round. But honestly, despite being banged up all season, the Ravens started to get hot at the right time. They've won four in a row and looking to make it five in a row to finish off this season. The last time these two teams met up with each other, the Ravens beat the Bengals 27 to three. So my prediction, Ravens win, and I think they lock up a wild card spot. No problem. Sorry, Kush. I got the Bengals going oh my ahead. God. Here we go. I got the Bengals winning this. Now, now, bear with me. Now, the Bengals have played spoiler in this scenario so many years. We remember, like, Andy oh, Dalton. Don't remind the me. reason that the Bills got into the playoffs a few years ago. 2017. And I, mean, I mean, I mean, would it shock me at all if the same thing happens this year? It does not. I mean, I feel like the Bengals, like you said, they've been that really screwy team that has just screwed up so many different teams these past couple of weeks, especially what they did against the Steelers. And Ryan Finley, man. Like, Ryan Bentley has been looking really good. Like, I've been really shocked by how much he's run the offense for Cincinnati. And I think it's going to be Brandon Allen starting, though. He started okay. last week against okay. the Texans. Okay, okay. But I, overall, I feel like the Bengals, either way, I feel like they have had some really good offense. Um, and I feel like the defense has been there. And if the defense shows up against a division rival, if they bring that same intensity they did against Pittsburgh – Oh, this is going to be fun. And I feel like if this is a shootout, um, Lamar Jackson is going to have to do what he did against the Browns. And, hey, if it comes down to it, I feel like the Bengals are just going to be a little bit little play of a spoiler here. And, and then the Ravens are going to have to be looking up and hoping and praying that things kind of fall their way. All right, let's move on. <laughs> the Browns. <laughs> Versus the Steelers. I'm not even going to entertain anything you just said. Because in the back of my head, 
I'm literally getting PTSD to 2017. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks, Corey. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We got the Browns versus the Steelers. The Browns are currently holding the last wild card spot. And if they win, they're in. The Browns are coming off a loss against the Jets. I mean, given they did have practice squad receivers starting for them. Um, But before last week, their loss against the Jets, they were hot. They were coming off winning five out of their last six games. Uh, But really, their road to the playoffs all completely relies on week 17 in their matchup against the Steelers. But if they end up losing to the Steelers, they need the Colts to lose, or if the Titans lose and the Ravens, Dolphins, Colts win, the Browns sneak in to the playoffs. But the news that I was talking about with the Bills, the Steelers are going to be starting Mason Rudolph versus the Browns in week 17. So Big Ben is getting a bye week, which means a backup quarterback. And I don't know if the Steelers are trying to get him killed, Mason Rudolph killed with Miles Garrett lining up on the oh, other side shoot. of the ball. It's the rematch. It's the rematch. It, yeah, it, I'm, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. The rematch. Oh god. But the last, the last time these two teams met in the season, the Steelers won thirty-eight to seven. My prediction: I'm going Browns win, especially with uh, the Steelers starting Mason Rudolph, and I think they make the playoffs after their seventeen-year playoff drought. Corey, what's your predictions? Completely agree with you, Kush. I mean, you hit it right on the nail, or should I say right on Mason Rudolph's head. I mean, that was perfectly said. Uh, I think that the Browns are going to go ahead and get the W here. Yes, they did lose to the Jets, but hey, like Kush said, they have practice squad receivers. I mean, what are you going to do? They got hit bad by COVID, and I think, you know, they get a couple of weeks to get those guys back, hopefully for the playoffs. And I think that they're going to be able to have a field day against Mason Rudolph. But that isn't to say that, you know, this is going to be a walk in the park. Again, AFC North rivalry. I just hope that we don't get another incident where somebody's getting bonked on the head with a helmet. But overall, I think it's going to be intense. I think this game is going to be, you know, not just a friendly game. I think, you know, whenever these two teams play, it's always going to be competitive and, Needless to say, I feel like the Browns are going to be able to just sneak one here and, and over uh, overcome Pittsburgh to be able to get themselves into the playoffs. Like Kush said, the drought is over, man. Cleveland, yet again, ending another drought. Let's move on. We got the last matchup of the AFC wild cards. We have the Colts versus the Jaguars. The Colts are the only team in the hunt that a win doesn't guarantee anything. In order to make the playoffs, <laughs> they need to win And one of the following teams need to lose, and that is the Titans, Ravens, Dolphins, or Browns. And if they lose, they're out. Simple as that. They're playing the Jaguars, who have already locked up the number one pick in the draft, so they don't need to tank anymore, and they can actually try to win this game. And remember, the Jaguars only have one win this entire season. That win come in week one versus the Colts, winning 27-20. to I'm still so salty about that because... (laughs) Oh, my, all my parlays just vanished in my hands. <laughs> but uh, I don't think the Colts are going to let that happen again, especially with what's on the line. I have them winning it, but the other teams, I have those wildcard teams winning it as well, and I have a feeling they're going to be looking outside in. I feel like the Colts get the win, but they will also get into the playoffs. I think that the Colts um, – the thing, the difference between this game and week one was they had Minshew mania going ahead for the, the Jaguars. And I feel like 
since he's not going to be suiting up uh, to be able to be, you know, the starting QB, that's going to be a big difference maker. And I feel like the Colts have had just like a really weird season, like a real a weird up and down season. But I mean, I got to give old man Phillip Rivers one last hurrah and he's going to get into the playoffs. Hobie. It's it's crazy. So let's let's look at our final AFC playoff standings. We have both of us have the Chiefs that won because they've locked that up. Bills number two, Steelers number three, Titans uh, number four, Dolphins five, Ravens six, and Browns seven. Corey, what's yours looking like? So I got the Chiefs number one. I got the Bills number two. I got the Steelers number three. I got the Tennessee Titans number four. The Browns number five. Colts six and Dolphins seven. Oh boy, really riding off my Ravens this season. I don't like that. <laughs> hey, I gotta continue. Gotta continue. I gotta continue. I said they weren't gonna make it into the playoffs. I, I gotta continue. I gotta be consistent. So I'm being consistent, and I'm not. I, I just I can't put them in, man. I can't put them in. I can't like wait till gonna, they win. I'm gonna be hey, blowing up your be, phone, hey, talking mad blow, shit. He's gonna, he's gonna be saying some crazy stuff. But hey, at the end of the day. I just, I just don't think it's going to happen, man. I feel like the, the Bengals sneak one. All right, let's move on to the other conference. We have the NFC. We have both the wild card going on, but we also have some home field advantage and some first-round buys uh, on the line as well, too. So the Packers basically clinch if they win or the Se- if the Seahawks lose and they're playing the Bears this week. The Saints clinch the number one seed if they win, the Packers lose, and the Seahawks win. And the Saints are playing the Panthers this week. And the Seahawks clinch the number one seed if they win and both the Saints and Packers lose. And the Seahawks are playing the Niners this week. And then you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They already clinched a wild card spot last week, beating the Lions. But we still have two wild card spots remaining. We have the Rams, Bears, and Cardinals all in the hunt. That is the order from highest to lowest. So let's start off with the Rams and it's only right they're playing the Cardinals so it's good this is probably the next biggest matchup of the week Rams win and they're in or if they lose the Bears have to lose for them to get in and the Cardinals it's winner go home for them but the Rams no Jared Goff he just got surgery on his thumb and honestly maybe no Kyler Murray for the Cardinals either they're Cliff Kingsbury hasn't really given that much information to the media yet, but this could be a battle of the backups for a playoff spot on the line. Who would have thought? But for me, with or without Kyler Murray, I think the Rams win. Kyler has a lower leg injury. He got it this past week, and mobility is a big part of his games. But I think the Rams defense should be able to contain Murray and this card's offense to get them the victory, especially the way they looked against the Niners last week. Um, And the the Rams, no Jared Goff, like I said. They're starting their backup, John Walford, right now. But there are rumors that the Rams will be signing their backup from last year, Blake Bortles. So they don't know. It's still Walford uh, going to be starting, but who knows if they flip to Blake Bortles. And also the Rams, they're injured, man. I mean, Malcolm Brown is going to be starting at running back because both Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson are out this game. So this game could be a shit show, which uh, <laughs> which will come down to which injured offense can play better for these teams, really. Could be a field goal game. Could be a field goal game. 
And uh, the last time these teams met up, the Rams won 38 to 28, but they held the Cardinals so only 232 total yards. So that's the reason why I'm saying the Rams is because I think the Rams defense will blow up, honestly, that old line just like the Niners did last week. And I think the Rams offense will do just enough against a mediocre cards defense to sneak away the W. Corey, what's your predictions on this matchup? See, I feel like, I was originally going to say Cardinals, but then you brought out the fact that I forgot that Kyler Murray, he might not go. So I'm like, dang, like if Kyler is not able to be as explosive as he normally is, then, oh, yeah, we got to go Rams here. And I feel like, man, yeah, I'm going with the Rams. Just like you said, the defense is going to be a little bit too much for the Cardinals to handle. If it is a battle of the backups, then all you really do just hope for is just a good running game out of a your backup running backs. And I think the Rams overall, they, they, I think that they, their offense is going to do just enough, like you said. And I think the defense is just going to be a little bit too much for, it would be too much for a 50%, 70% Kyler to handle. But if the backup has to play, it's going to be, it might just be way too much. And I think that the Cardinals are really going to be in a, a bad situation. And ultimately the Rams going to get with, get that win that they need in order to lock up a playoff spot. And then we have the other wild card team in the hunt, the Bears. They're playing the Packers. The Bears control their own destiny. If they win, they're in. But the Packers are playing for that number one seed. If the Packers win, they get the number one seed in a first round bye. So you know they're most likely going to be starting their starters. Um, the last time these two teams played, Packers won 41-25. The Bears are looking are going to be rooting for the Rams for sure because even if they lose, they can still make the playoffs if the Cardinals lose. So Bears will definitely be Rams fans this weekend. But Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, they're a wagon right now. And I don't think that I don't I don't think this Bears defense will be able to stop them. Rodgers continues to make his MVP case. And if Mahomes sits week 17 since the Chiefs already clinched number one seed, I think they're gonna sit Mahomes. Rodgers is going to be looking to go off to solidify his MVP campaign. And just, but then again, this is one of the biggest rivalries in the NFL. And it's only right that they came to play week 17 and both teams have playoff implications on the line. I'm going to go with the Packers. I have them winning, but I think the bears will still make the playoffs with the Cardinals losing. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And it's kind of surprising. I mean, when you look at the fact that, uh, the Bears kind of have the way that the Bears season kind of started with, um, you know, obviously in the offseason, they didn't extend uh, off uh, a contract extension for Mitchell Trubisky and like the whole quarterback controversy with him and Foles. And it's just been a crazy year offensively for the Bears. But overall, I think that the Packers are going to win this game, but the Bears are still going to get into the postseason. Surprise, surprise. So our NFC playoff predictions, we basically have the same, uh, or actually, I don't know what your uh, top seeds are looking like, but I have the Packers winning it, number one seed. Saints going to get their win against the Panthers, get the number two seed. Seahawks get their win against the Niners and get that number three seed. And then I have Washington winning to get that four seed. And then Buccaneers already clinched that five. And then Rams beats the Cardinals for six and then Bears Lose to the Packers, but the Cardinals lose, so they get the seventh seed. Corey, what's yours looking like? Um, so I got the Packers finishing at the one. I got the Seahawks as the number two seed, and I got the Saints at the number three seed. I got the Cowboys at the number four seed. <laughs> so, 
so weird to say that. So weird to say that, but it's it, it's just gonna have to be Cowboys at the number four, Bucks at the number five, and we have the Rams at number six and the Bears at number seven. So you have the Saints losing to the Panthers. Yes. I feel like they're just gonna have a slip-up game. They've been having some weird slip-ups. And they haven't like been looking strong, I will say that. Yeah, that's what I mean. So I feel like unless you're Alvin Kamara. <laughs> That's true. Who could have had seven touchdowns? Should have had seven instead of six, but that still broke the record, though. It it is what it is. All right, let's move on. We got NBA basketball. We had Christmas. Hope everyone had a holly jolly Christmas with their families and was safe. But uh, let's talk about Christmas Day because honestly, NBA basketball Christmas, that's what we always look forward to very underwhelming Christmas Day games. Every game was damn near a blowout, which was really unfortunate because I thought the NBA did a hell of a job with the matchups they put together. But let's let's go over some of our games, what we predicted and the player of the games. First, we had the Pelicans versus the Heat. The Heat won 111 to 98. Both of us said the Heat. Uh, our players of the game, I had Jimmy Butler, who ended up getting injured, and you had Tyler Hero, who just had a really rough game. Mm-hmm. So I think... I think the MVP or the player of the game was either Duncan Robinson or Goran Dragic because they both both of those guys had a hell of a game. I would say probably Duncan Robinson. I mean, this dude was just lighting up from beyond the arc. The Pelicans had no answer for him whatsoever, and then he, I think he like set like an M- an NBA Christmas Day like record or either tied mm-hmm. it. So uh, yeah, shoot or shoot, and the Michigan man was doing his thing on Christmas Day. Duncan Robinson, man, that's the player of the game for me. Yeah, I love just talking about Duncan Robinson, giving his whole backstory of mm-hmm. of him uh, going to Michigan and then walking on, and then now he's in the NBA, dropping seven three pointers on Christmas Day. <laughs> Next game we had the Warriors versus the Bucks. Bucks won one thirty eight to ninety nine. Both of us said the Bucks were going to win. Player of the game, both of us had Giannis, and he did not play well against the Warriors. But you know who did play well was Chris Middleton, who was the player of the game. He had 31 points, five assists, four rebounds, and six threes made. Yeah, this was just a tough night uh, shooting for Steph Curry, but Chris Middleton was able to get the job done. Um, And I think, like, that's the type of game that I think Chris Middleton kind of needs. He needs more games where he kind of has to go off and kind of take a little bit of the pressure off, especially if Giannis isn't having a bad shooting night. Because so far, the Bucs kind of had a little bit of a – up and down season with, I mean, uh, beating the Warriors, losing to the Celtics, and losing to the Knicks. Weird one. Weird one. Yeah, real weird. Um, but if you're the Warriors, you pressing the panic button yet? Absolutely not. I mean, it's still early on, and we've seen a lot of crazy things happen in the NBA so far. So I don't think it's panic time to set in quite yet. Um, they did get their first win of the season crazily against the Chicago Bulls. Damian Shout out Lee. to Damian Lee with the game winner. I, I was I was kind of surprised. I thought he was going to give that back to Curry, but he went ahead and just said, he did a Jeremy Lin <laughs> and just said. <laughs> on Kobe. Yeah, he did a Jeremy Lin on them Kobe. Off. <laughs> he, waved the, he waved Curry off and said, this is my game, bro. I got this. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not panicking you that. They're missing maybe their second best player in Draymond Green on that team right now. And 
with Curry in the lineup, you know what Draymond Green can do. He doesn't have to be that ball handler. He doesn't have to be that shooter like he was trying to be last year, which was absolutely atrocious. But he can just be Draymond Green that he is, that nitty-gritty defender who can go out and get a triple-double for you. Yeah, and I think he's going to be really helpful for James Wiseman, especially on his mm-hmm. on the defensive end. You already kind of saw on Christmas Day, he was kind of mentoring James, James Wiseman and telling him, uh, where he needs to be as far as position wise on defense. And I feel overall, that's kind of what they're missing as far as their anchor, but something that they need is Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins. Make a shot, bro. <laughs> Make a shot. Like the Wiggins dirty. Wig- yeah. Wiggins. I'm not that surprised. Cause yeah. Wiggins. I'm not that surprised. Cause I personally think Wiggins is so overrated, but Kelly Oubre that, that is definitely surprising. So this man can't hit nothing but layups and dunks like if it's a dunk or a layup you'll hit it but if it's not he's like over i think he hasn't hit anything that is outside uh the paint so i'm like bro hit a shot please yeah i think once draymond comes back he'll also light a fire under these dudes asses and i think he's gonna they're they're gonna start to settle into their roles let's move on we got the Nets versus the Celtics. The Nets won 123 to 95. Both of us had the Nets winning. Player of the game, I went Karis LeVert. I, he just didn't need to go off. And that's because Corey's <laughs> player of the game, Kyrie Irving, went absolutely berserk, just like Corey called it. He had 37 points, eight assists, six rebounds, and seven threes made. Tying Duncan Robinson for the Christmas Day lead. Corey, what was your thoughts on this game? Um, I think the, the, the my thoughts overall in the game was just how impressive the Nets were because this was a tit-for-tat game throughout three quarters. But as soon as they got to the fourth, it's like you said early uh, before the season even started, Kush, like the, the those two assassins, they took over in Kyrie and KD. And the the Celtics really had no answer. I mean, it was really dumb for Brad Stevens to decide to put Tristan Thompson on Kevin Durant because, I mean, that's just a mismatch every day of the week. And then I told you, man, Kyrie, every single time he plays Boston this season, he is going to want to put 30-plus on their head and let them know about it. And just after the game, seeing him high-five it up with KD, you could just look at Kyrie and you could tell he wanted that one. He really wanted that one. And even though Karis LeVert didn't get player of the game, he still provided a presence off the bench. Mm-hmm. Like He was definitely – if Kyrie didn't do his thing, he would have been my player of the game for sure. Yeah, and – I mean, we talked about how they were going off, but then the next game, they lost against Charlotte, and that was a questionable ending to the game because Kyrie gave it to KD, and then KD got doubled, and Kyrie was wide open at the top, but KD ended up throwing up the shot and missed it, and the Hornets won, so. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's one of those things where we kind of have to see, and then also with the injury to Spencer Didwitty, he's out for the big, season with a partially yeah. torn ACL. He was one of the guys that recruited Kyrie, and I feel like he's got a presence in the locker room as one of those guys that, you know, if he needs to speak up, he'll speak up. And if he's not really there, um, if they get into like a little bit of a losing patch, like I said, at some point or another, there's going to be some drama that you're going to hear about with this, with this team, not saying that they're not good. They got talent. It's just, is the chemistry there for them to be able to gel with each other? And if you have nights like we saw the other night where both Kyrie and uh, KD decide to sit out, then are you guaranteed to win? And in that game against Memphis, even though John Morant went down with the ankle injury, 
They still couldn't get it done in overtime, ended up having to take another L. So it's been kind of a mixed start for the Nets. They started off hot, but they've kind of been brought down to earth a little bit. But, I mean, we'll see. I think that's kind of how the season's kind of going to go for them. That's why I couldn't really have them in the top three. But who knows? They'll probably prove me wrong. Yeah, that didn't win the injuries. Definitely going to hurt them. Next, we had the Mavericks versus the Lakers. Lakers won 138 to 115. Both of us had the Lakers winning. Player of the game, I had Anthony Davis and Corey had LeBron. And in my opinion, that's I think Anthony even, Davis got that's it. Not even, let's not even get into that. That's Anthony Davis all day. Yeah, I think, I mean, LeBron would have got it if AD wasn't there, but AD just had the better game 28 points, eight rebounds, five assists. So. What was your thoughts on that game? I feel like um, Luka just had to do a little too much in that game. But this Mavericks team, man, you get the good with the bad. You get nights where the team can't really buy a bucket outside of Luka. Then you get nights where the following game, (laughs) let's not even really go there, right? I mean, they just got hot like crazy. And, like, that's what you get out of the Mavericks offense. Can't defend worth a damn. But overall – their offense can light you the heck up. And that's pretty much what they're going to have to rely on all season long is lighting people up with their offensive play. Meanwhile, with the Lakers, I feel like they're, they've got like a slow start going, but that's strictly because I think they still want to integrate the the new guys in. And I think we've had like some nice play out of Gasol and some nice um, play out of, you know, uh, Dennis Schroeder. But I think that, um, it needs to be kind of a more of a team game because sometimes you kind of get into this habit of seeing like, you know, Anthony Davis trying to get to the cup or trying to do like some one-on-one type stuff or LeBron trying to do one-on-one. And I think um, that the worst habit that the Lakers have is trying to fall in love with the three-pointer because even last season, they weren't one of the best three-point shooting teams. And this season, like early on, it seems like they fall way in love with the three when it's like, bro, you have two of the best inside scorers in LeBron and AD. It's like, just go ahead and try to get that to the cup. And if they collapse on you, kick it out for, you know, a shooter. But at the same time, like, I'm not saying force it inside, but try to try to understand what you're good at. And I think the Lakers, sometimes they forget, like, oh, yeah, we have AD and LeBron. Yeah, and I think the Lakers, them losing to Portland was a tough one. And I think the Lakers finally got their glimpse at Montrez Herald and his liabilities because – I mean, Nurkic and Cantor were just going off on him. <laughs> so, oh, welcome man. to what the Clippers had to deal with against the Nuggets. <laughs> let's, speaking of the Clippers, let's talk about their matchup. They played the Nuggets. Clippers won 121 to 108. Both of us had the Clippers winning. My player of the game was Kawhi Leonard, who ended up getting injured and played seven less minutes than the player of the game, which was Paul George, who Corey had. Paul George had 23 points, nine assists, five rebounds. Five threes made, but the biggest thing, I think, in this game was Kawhi Leonard's injury. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, because we saw in the following game just how much of a miss Kawhi is to this Clippers team. And I didn't, like, think that the injury itself was, like, I was surprised when they said that he only – like uh just needed like eight stitches like i thought they were they were making it seem like he he uh broke his jaw at first and but thankfully it was just you know he got cut and he just needed a few stitches and hopefully he'll 
you know, have a speedy recovery and be able to get back on the court right away because the Clippers really need that man. But overall, I think people are not going to like me saying this, but I think that 51 point loss was probably the best thing that happened to the Clippers because it was a reality check for them because they had a nice little strong start, beat the Lakers on opening night, beat the Nuggets, a team who, you know, also trying to be up there as one of the top three teams in the West. They had, you know, a good, nice, strong start, but then losing to the Mavericks, you know, the way that they did kind of was a reality check for them. Like, yeah, y'all still are the Clippers and y'all can't take nothing for granted this season. Like this has to be, the focus has to be there every single game. There can't be a single game where you just think like, oh, it's just an easy win. It's like, bro, you are the Clippers. You have to take this seriously. And I think that, like I said, it looks bad on paper. It's a historical loss. Everybody's going to give the Clippers grief for it. But at the same time, I think this is the best thing that happened to them. And it's the best thing that happened to Paul George and this team. And especially without Kawhi in the team, it kind of helps them to be able to come together and understand the hierarchy of this of the of the lineup and how this team should function. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, and this Nuggets team, I mean, first of all, hideous red jerseys, in my opinion. I don't know why <laughs> they went with the red. It's like them in Houston just switched their city yeah. edition jerseys because Houston has blue for some reason. I don't know. It's all bad. But yeah, this Nuggets team, I mean, Jokic is being Jokic. He's doing his thing. It's Jamal Murray. Is he, he like, hasn't he, showed he, up. He he has in flashes, but then there's times where he's regular season Jamal Murray and it's not mm-hmm. bubble Jamal Murray anymore. So yep. it's interesting with this team. Michael Porter Jr. has been, you know, kind of average. Gary Harris has actually been impressing me, even though he's not been lighting up the box score, just his play on the court on the defensive end and his playmaking, which has really surprised me, has uh, has really caught my attention. But this this Nuggets team really lacking on the defensive end, and it, it really showed against the Nuggets. I mean, against the Clippers, excuse me. Yeah, I think that, uh, like, early on, like, they're, they're still probably adjusting to the fact that they don't have that uh, that dude Jeremy Grant. And I think, like, he, he is already – looking like a big loss to their unit because he was one of their their guys that was he would guard like the best player of the other team you needed him to guard like a LeBron or you needed him to guard like a Kawhi or uh, a Paul George or just you saw him you saw him on Trey Young at the end of the game against the Hawks exactly like he was like he's one of those dudes that you just put him on the opposing uh, star and I'm not saying he stops them guaranteed but he'll give them problems more so than any other guy they currently have on their roster can. And I think that Jamal Murray kind of having like a slow start, maybe being, you know, some after effects to uh, the bubble and, you know, still trying to find his feet. But I tell you, who's not having a slow start. Your boy, Shea Gillis Alexander, definitely looking like that most improved player of the year. I know it's early, but I'm like, yo, like, dang. Because well, he has he's opportunities. Out. He has opportunities beyond opportunities over there in Oklahoma City. Without a doubt. But that's going to wrap it up for this episode of The Nosebleeds. We appreciate y'all for listening. Make sure if you guys are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, shoot us a five-star review. It really helps us. Write us a review if you're feeling generous. And make sure you guys are following us on social media, on Twitter, at the underscore Nosebleeds, on Instagram, The Nosebleeds, and on Facebook, at The Nosebleeds Podcast. Check us out. Corey, any last words? I'm so glad that the NFL season is winding down. We're about to get to the playoffs. I'm so excited to see what's going on with the NBA. And then also, I mean, like baseball, we got a lot of drama as well. So, I mean, sports is really in full swing and I'm loving that. 
especially as we head into the final days of 2020. This is, I guess, going to be our last podcast uh, for 2020, Kush. Like, you know, just quick reflection on your year. How's it been, my man? I mean... I think it's been a typical 2020 that most people have had. It's been real rough for me, given my injuries. But I mean, I think starting this podcast was a great thing, a great plus that uh, that came in 2020, starting to back up and having you as a co-host, my man. Yeah, man. I think that going into 2021, we just hope to take this podcast into 2021 and hopefully make it bigger and better. So here's to 2021 and... Hopefully it's not as bad as 2020. We hope so as well. We'll catch y'all later. Deuces.